What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. We're back with part two of the interview with Jesse Stay. Design, design, uh, and integrating social into your design is is a a major factor in, in ensuring your app grows. Uh, this is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, we want to invite you to get involved in the charity our founders helped start called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the U.S. and globally. The top project you could help with now is in Cusco, Peru. There are 20 girls that the local government rescued but didn't have anywhere to keep them safe, so they put them in jail. The government has said that they're willing to give custody of these kids to the aftercare facility we're helping to expand now once we raise enough money and build an extra building there. To learn more, please click on the Child Rescue tab on our website, which is iCollective.co. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Jesse, uh, when we broke off yesterday, we were we had talked a lot about maybe some more of the mechanics of you know this kind of social media marketing that actually turns into revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people with opinions on stuff like this, but you're a guy who actually has 85,000 people following him personally on Facebook, <laughs> and you've written these uh, nine that's, books. That's my personal profile. My, yeah. my page has 450,000. <laughs> right? So um, uh, you're definitely the person, <laughs> of all the people I'm connected to, you're, you've got most personally, so I'm glad, you know, we're going to have to send you like a blue ribbon for that. Um, <laughs> I don't need anything. So, um, <laughs> but talking about this thing because you know so many of our listeners whether they're uh they're inventing their own business or charity or they're uh, an innovator within a larger organization that's trying to make something grow um th- this engine of how can i make m- more than i'm spending and mm-hmm. and where should i spend that to be able to make more than i'm spending this is something that a lot of us spend a lot of our week trying to to decode right yeah. so um what I'd love to talk about is where we've gone through a bunch of the mechanics. I'd love to talk more about the mindset and sure. um, how it's actually worth it for innovators to spend the time to speak this language. So whether they're hiring you guys or whatever, whoever they're working with on something like this, that they can actually show up to the p- table and be a partner. Yeah. Um, talk about in your mindset, like what are the things that people should be reading? What are the th- books people should be listening to or, or the blogs people should be on? To, to really um, get past the buzzwords and and uh, get more into the meat of it? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I'll be honest, uh, as, as an innovator myself, I, I, I read a lot. Uh, most of what I find is, is on my personal Facebook profile, and it's just following the right people to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who are some of the people you like to follow? 
So, so some of my favorites are, uh, I really like John Loomer. Uh, a lot of what I do is in the advertising space, mm-hmm. uh, especially social media advertising. Uh, John Loomer is one of the, 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 the top um, uh, influencers out there in terms of social media uh, advertising. And, and, and he, his style of, of advertising is, is very much in line with the same style that I use in my agency and, and that we use with clients. Um, I, I, Dennis Yu is another, he's a good friend of mine. Both these are, are friends of mine, but, uh, uh, Dennis Yu is, is, is that why you, how do you spell his last uh, name? Why you, yep. Dennis, why we'll, we'll have links to these on Jesse's page on iCollective.co. Um, but keep going. And, and Dennis, uh, um, uh, he's, he's written for all Facebook inside Facebook. Uh, and now all those have been acquired by Adweek. Um, uh, you'll find a lot of his stuff there. Um, I follow his Facebook profile, so so whatever he shares there, I get. But uh, um, uh, and and he's kind of similar in, in the ad space and the growth hacking space and such. I I really like his his approach. So I um uh, and it's it's right in line. He and I have lunch and we share ideas all the time. Hey, that's um, a, that's another word I feel like gets thrown around real easy, but people don't necessarily define as often. For you, what's growth hacking for you? I it it, it does get overused I, I and you'll hear me I, I I likely don't use it very often when I say it because there are multiple definitions for me growth hacking is is creative ways for, for me it's it's creative and and futuristic ways of building growth for a company it's coming up with uh, new creative uh, measurable ways to grow a a a uh, a product or a a company in 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 various fashions can we actually talk about that measurement? Um, when you're helping a customer calculate, you know, the, the lifetime cost to, to get sure. someone from lead to customer, um, what does that dashboard look like for you? Or is there tools that you favor or, or what is this reporting system like for someone who hasn't been through it? What does that actually look like? Yeah. So the majority of what I'm looking at, um, it usually depends on what the client has set up. Um, I, I want to, I want to first look at the client systems. How are they currently measuring? And that's why partly it's, it's important for the client to, to have some basis set up so that they're tracking some of this and we'll usually help them with that if, if they don't have it. Um, utilizing tools like Marketo, Salesforce and such, um, you can at least start tracking some of the sales process. And then, um, and then I, I like using the raw tools myself. Um, I don't particularly have a full out dashboard for this at the moment. I, I utilize uh, uh, plain math and looking at the, the analytics and uh, um, uh, do you guys and, just and write results. a report or where do you tools. when you're coming um, back to the customer? How do you what is that format? So I, I, I use a lot of Google spreadsheets. Um, uh, I, I use a, a product called Report Garden. Um, for reporting back to the clients, uh, which report garden, report garden takes, um, uh, all your various tools like Google analytics, um, Facebook ads, um, uh, uh, various other services as well. And allows you to produce reports out of all that data uh, pulled together. And, uh, so, so we utilize that a lot to, to kind of visualize a lot of how everything's tying together. Um, and uh, uh, at the same time, um, I, I, I don't use third-party tools for Facebook ads. I use uh, Facebook's uh, ads manager and power editor to, to uh, manage all that because I found I can get more data there than I can any other third-party tool. Mm. Um, 
because I'm looking at the raw data with that, and I I've got a lot more power that way than than uh, relying on a, a third party to decide how I use the data. Um, uh, Facebook uh, Facebook ads has spreadsheets you can download that uh, spreadsheet reports that you can pull down and has all sorts of data both on uh, page insights as well as uh, your ads. Uh, Twitter has the same thing for for their. Uh, uh, ads platform. And for somebody who this sounds overwhelming for, help me understand once you get all this data, that mm-hmm. essentially the point is not data for data's sake. It's so that you can go through it and say, this is working. Let's double down on that. Hey, this isn't performing as well. Let's, let's scale that back. Am I? Yeah, that's right. So I'm usually, the majority of my time is usually focused in, in, Facebook Ads Manager. That's that's where Facebook provides produces the cheapest ads, um, uh, and and for the most part produces the majority of the data. Um, if if I'm looking at more of a a direct ad play where I'm trying to do more sales or growth um, uh, directly through Facebook, and I'm not looking at a larger picture uh, than than just that, which 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 we we do sometimes. Um, uh, then I can get all the data I need. I, I'm, I'm looking at my cost per conversion with Facebook, which Facebook gives me that exact number. I can look at exactly um, uh, how many mobile versus desktop versus newsfeed versus right rail uh, ads versus um, uh, various audience types and such, and how much are all of those driving in terms of sales and conversions uh, uh, th- directly through Facebook. If I'm going at a bigger play, I'm I'm also looking at uh, 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 usually I'm looking at the client's own systems, uh, uh, looking at their uh, their numbers inside Marketo, inside Salesforce, and such, and how many full sales am I getting, and 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 we usually come up with systems to tie that together with the ads that we're sending to uh, the, the leads that we're sending to them. Uh, and, and of those, how many are we, uh, actually converting? And then I'm taking that number and saying of our current ad spend, how many real sales have we gotten from that? And, uh, uh, and then I'm just tying that together. So, so I, I, and that's actually fairly easy to do. Uh, um, uh, you really don't need a, a huge dashboard to do that. You, uh, as long as you've got the numbers, I can tell from Facebook exactly how many ads we're generating, how much we're spending, and I just need to know the sales number based on those ads from uh, whatever the, the the CRM system is that they're using. Okay, um, I want to actually come back and talk about these systems in a minute, but as as a slight tangent, let's talk about a couple of other things just briefly. So, um, Paul Allen from Ancestry.com had you come over to them and and help build an app that back in 2008 made it as the number one Facebook app. If you were going to think of like one insight from that experience, what do you feel like you learned from that? So um, I mostly I mostly did uh, uh, some of the wireframes for that initially, and then uh, um, I had lunch quite a few times with them. But uh, um, in terms of learning experience on that, uh, uh, I, I'd say. Uh, Design, uh, design, uh, and integrating social into your design is is a a major factor in, in ensuring your app grows. Uh, I like to I like to tell clients as I'm helping them build products that uh, um, that that as a user uses their app as a user uh, and. Uh, 
uses their website or whatever they're building, uh, how, how can how can you ensure that that user is seeing their close friends and family within that experience and being encouraged to share uh, their experience with that close friends and family? And every app should have some element of this. Uh, that Facebook login button uh, is is very powerful because when you click on it with one click, auto- automatically you've now got that person's contact information and all sorts of information about that individual and their friends. And uh, you can build really cool experiences around that where your app itself will promote itself without ads and other things uh, if if you do it right. So on that line, um, for instance, you know, Ideation Collective, we're going to be doing a thing where we're making kind of like lynda.com or plural site type videos, but on entrepreneurship specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we plan to give them away for free, like Khan Academy. Um so I'm, we're on Squarespace and, you know, we can do password protected stuff, but if I need to pay somebody to build a Facebook login for that instead, what do you think I should budget for something like that? Um, for the Facebook login and, and integration, um, I'd say anywhere from, uh, I'd say anywhere from two to 5,000, uh, is, is a good start. Um, and what kind of a shop do I need to be? You know, who, who do I want to look for to do something like that? Uh, my shop can do it. Um, uh, I would uh, I would look for uh, uh, specifically shops that have experience building Facebook apps and Facebook integrations. Uh, um, uh, you, there's there's actually a whole uh, uh, Facebook uh, developer plat- uh, uh, developer partner uh, program. You can look up uh, if you just Google it, uh, the Facebook developer. Actually platform. verify that people... Yeah, have that and, background. And Facebook has a whole list of, uh, of them uh, on, on their own site that that, uh, that you can go to. But uh, you know, um, I'm glad you bring up a resource like that because in the ad in the agency world, in my experience, is everybody will tell you they can do everything, and what they mean is they can hire a guy who can do that, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, you know, going through and verifying, do people actually have the experience to advise you, or do they know a guy who has the experience? Yeah. And maybe and, going right to the horse's mouth, kind of. And, and at the same time, I think it's also important to, to realize that if, if they're just a single guy doing development, um, uh, they can do it. Um, that person isn't going to be able to scale very well. So mm. if, if you just produce a whole bunch of growth for that person, um, uh, they're going to be distracted between you and other clients. So I'd also be looking at, I, I think there is something to say. If I like for my company, I do hire other people to, to do some of the development, but I've got experience myself building apps and such. So, uh, so I know how to, I, I know how to, to grow an app and I'm, I'm paying attention to the processes is that apps being built by my team. Uh, so no, uh, no, I, I, and don't get me wrong. I'm not against people partnering. You know, we do, we make those videos. My partner's got this $60,000 VR camera, but we bring in the motion graphics and after effects folks, right? Yeah. My concern is when people, you know, when agencies represent to the client that this is their skill set, when what they mean is it's somebody else. And like as a client actually, actually talking, you know, like being able to verify who's doing what work instead of, you know, people maybe unethically representing that they're the one man band or that, you know what I mean? That they're Superman and can do it all themselves. And it's like, Anyways, just um, you know, I, 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 getting I, getting the I, intel directly from the expert, even if your agency is the one bringing the expert in. Yeah, I look over their history um, and and what have they done over time. 
Uh, and that, that will tell a lot. Uh, uh, cause, cause if they're, if they're just hiring other people, chances are they've hired different people at different times for different things. And, uh, uh, and if, if they're not really an expert on this, that will show through in their, in their past experience. Uh, but, uh, especially I'd look at the founders and, and those that are, are truly leading the business and, uh, and, and what is their experience? Yeah. Okay. Um, next one, uh, building social to, you know, you get this thing to a hundred thousand users, you've got Britney Spears and Pepsi and MC hammer and all these people as, as users. Um, what, what do you feel like, you know, having been through that growth experience, you can now bring as an expertise to the other things you grow? Um, well, uh, for one, for one thing, I, uh, uh, when I built social2.com, I was, I was a lowly, uh, a lowly is a bad term to use, but, uh, I was a developer, uh, that didn't have a lot of business experience, uh, uh, as, as I was growing it, uh, uh, and, 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 and that's obviously changed, uh, quite significantly over the years, but, uh, um, I, I, I learned quite a bit about business as I was running that. And, and, uh, I mean, I, we ended up, uh, uh, the, the, the business itself, uh, uh, Twitter started releasing new features and API limits and such, which caused us to have all sorts of issues. Um, and I learned from social too, that I, I needed to have a solid, um, uh, business strategy in place where I was making money off of those users. Uh, we started out with social two was mostly a free service. Um, and, uh, and I, I ended up realizing, well, I got to start paying for this now. Uh, I, I used it most, it was originally, it was just a bunch of tools that were helping me on Twitter and, uh, and, uh, a few others, Guy Kawasaki was one of those and such. Uh, uh and, uh, and we, uh, and I ended up, um, we do a one-time charge. Uh, you, you pay one time 10 bucks and, and you, you can use it forever on, on such. And that just wasn't sustainable. Um, and if I were to do it over again, I would probably have, uh, uh, have, have had monthly subscriptions, yearly subscriptions and, and such, uh, at much higher prices, uh, where I, where I already had clients or, or users like PepsiCo and, and such on there. I know, I could have charged more. And, and I, and, and that's actually what I really learned from the service in, in doing that was the, uh, the idea that as you're building a product, you've got to make sure you have a, from the beginning, a sustainable, uh, uh, business model that's, that, that will last. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> it really helps the, uh, staying alive factor to steal a bad <laughs> pun from your world. Okay. Um, we're doing we're doing rapid fire here. Okay, the next one. Um, going back and actually, you know, you've written the Facebook for dumb, you know, in this Facebook for dummy series, you've stuff like this, and then Facebook hires you back to them to help them with Facebook Connect. Um, wh- what do you what do you feel like a main learning from that experience was? Sure. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hadn't written any four dummies books at that point. Okay. Yet. I, I wrote, uh, I'm on Facebook now. What? And, uh, another one called FBML essentials with O'Reilly, uh, that, uh, is now mostly deprecated, but, uh, um, I, but, uh, I, I, that got the attention of, um, uh, Josh Elman, who's, um, uh, now at Greylock, uh, I, and, uh, 
smart guy. He's another one to, to be following and paying attention to. He, he knows the stuff. Um, and, uh, and he was looking for a technical writer to help them write some of the developer documentation for their, uh, for their, uh, their wiki in order to kind of bring attention uh, to the Fortune 50 companies, uh, to their developer platform during the launch of Facebook Connect, and uh, I'd say my your your question was was what was my my greatest uh, learning from that, and and I'd say my greatest learning was actually that uh, the way that uh, that Facebook thinks uh, within their culture within Facebook, they think differently than any other organization I've ever seen or ever worked with, and uh, in what way? Um, I call it thinking socially. Uh, they think um, they think uh, like everything they're thinking is how it's it's that whole idea of what I what I mentioned earlier. How can I bring my a person's close friends and family into the experiences that I'm developing? And um, and from a API and developer standpoint, which was the team I was working with, uh, they were they wanted to come up with ways to make it as easy as possible for any company out there to to bring that person's uh bring the users close friends and family into the experience uh into the experiences of their products and their websites and that that encouraged people to stay on the site longer um uh, at the time mobile wasn't as huge a, a deal as it is now um so it was more websites and such but uh Encourage people to stay on the site longer. Encourage people to use it more. Encourage more users to come to the app because they were inviting people that that were close to them into that. Um, and uh, that was actually where you really saw Facebook start to really take off as well because uh, more and more businesses, apps, websites were starting to use Facebook within their o- overall experiences, which were bringing more people into the website, bringing more exposure to Facebook itself. Mm. Um, okay. Next one. Uh, I know, you know, a bunch of the social media influencers and, uh, people in the space in Silicon Valley, you know, one of my heroes, Guy Kawasaki, and you've done stuff with Robert Scoville and founder of TechCrunch. Uh, talk about Randy Zuckerberg, Mark's sister. (laughs) Randy's a friend. Um, uh, I met her from the time I was working for Facebook and through various, uh, uh, developer events I, I went to back back in the day, uh, um, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of the people I've met over the years are, are really just a matter of, of building friendships over time. And, and Randy, Randy's no different. Uh, I, I really, she's just a friend, um, <laughs> to me. So, yeah. uh, well, um, and, uh, and, and that's really, uh, I mean, if you're trying to do influencer marketing or get in contact with people of influence in different ways, the key is is truly the idea of winning friends and influencing people. It's it's truly not really caring about getting them as an influencer, but truly caring about making friends with with people, and that uh, that in turn will uh, uh, build the relationships uh, like like I've been able to build with 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 various people like that. Sure, and so so many people recognize the value of influencer marketing, um, but instead of what you just described, they show up with an ask right out of the, right out of the gates and, and alienate folks. And, you know, folks end up feeling objectified, you know, like you only want me for my audience. You don't care about me as a person, right? Yeah. These are what we hear back from their handlers and the people on the other side. Um, 
you know, for me, I love taking people to lunch. You know, I'm always yeah. trying to buy them food. <laughs> okay. What, what's kind of a weapon of choice for you when of, of starting a sincere friendship instead of, uh, maybe yeah. more, something more transactional. So, so I've been on both the receiving and the giving end of, end of this. So I've, I've seen both sides. Um, and, and in terms of, of building these relationships. So, so for instance, um, I use my friend uh, Robert Scoville as an example. He had, um, uh, when I first got in, in the industry and, and such, I, I didn't even know who he was. Um, and I kind of got to know him through various social media channels and blog blogs and such. And, and, uh, um, and I liked his stuff. I, I liked his content. And, uh, as a result, I started following him on various social media channels at the time. Friend feed was really big. Uh, which uh, was bought by Facebook and and isn't around anymore. But uh, um, uh, Fred Feet uh, was uh, uh, was Robert Scoville's uh, uh, social network of choice for quite some time, and uh, I liked his content so much that I started following him on Fred Feet, so I I could be up to date. But I didn't just follow it; I started commenting on his posts, paying attention to what he was doing. I um, I, I was. Uh, I'd, I'd participate in his conversations. He was really big into live video back in the day. He, he is again today. Um, uh, and I, I comment on his videos and, and I, I just absorbed everything he was doing. I, I, and it was just cause I loved his content. And, uh, um, and one day, um, I was at a conference in, in San Francisco Bay area. Um, and, and while I was there, uh, uh, Robert Scoble posted on Facebook, Hey, I'm going out to see, um, uh, startups tomorrow. Um, does anyone have a startup they, they want to share? And I, and at the time I was just starting to work on social too. So I didn't really have a ton to share on at the time, but I, I commented on in there, um, that, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm just working on, I, I'm still working on social too, but I'd love to just meet and chat sometime. And, uh, um, and, uh, um, and because he knew who I was from the times I commented and I participated in his conversations, um, he, he wanted to meet me. And, uh, so he and I got together, we, we actually went out the next day and, uh, uh, he had a whole schedule of people he was interviewing. Two of those were, uh, Ev Williams and Biz Stone, founders of Twitter, um, uh, and, uh, and got to be part of interviewing them for, uh, a particular, uh, um, uh, there's a whole story around that you, as well. You got to do that with him. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and ever since then we built a, a strong friendship, uh, uh, ever since where I consider him a dear friend, I consider him and his wife and, and family, dear friends of mine. And, uh, and it really wasn't a matter of really wanting anything from them. It was a matter of, I love their content and I was building a relationship with them because I love their content. It's, it's true friendship and building real friendship. And doing that, sometimes it takes time to get there. Um, Isn't it and, funny uh, that, that we think of influencers different than regular humans or something? Yeah. You know? and, and you can't think of them that way. You've got you've to think of them as real people. If you really, I, I mean, if you don't look up to them, you really shouldn't be reaching out to them, in my opinion. I think uh, you, you gotta, you've got to start with that piece. Uh, what, what influencers can you really build a relationship with? Uh that, that you look up to as much as you'd like them to look up to you. And, and that's going to be your best 
way to, to, to build a solid relationship with an influencer. And then they're not just going to be an influencer. They're going to be an advocate of who you are because they're now friends with you. And, uh, and, uh, and that's what you really need to be seeking. Okay. Two last questions. Um, of all the platforms, the infusion sauce, the HubSpots, Marketo's, MailChimp, all these different things out there. What, what's a, what's your favorite or what's, what's a combo that, you know, like Ideation Collective, we don't have any of those that we're married to, right? And I used yeah. to be a HubSpot subscriber at one point, and I had Pardot and Salesforce with, with one other organization. To you, what, what's your favorite combination of those service providers on the marketing tech? So in, in many ways, it depends on budget. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, Let's say more moderate budget. More moderate budget. I would probably look at either uh, Infusionsoft or Marketo. Um, uh, I, I, I re- I'm a really big fan of Infusionsoft. Um, just just the overall features you, uh, uh, provided. I, I like what Infusionsoft provides. Um, Marketo is very solid as well, um, and you really can accomplish anything with either. Um, if you're looking like like really really small budget, I'd probably. I, I mean, really, there are a million options out there just go with whichever you can afford and uh uh and and i'm usually looking at well kind of what data it provides i i like using lead pages and stuff like that for really quick cheap projects and stuff um and that will often give you at least some basics of of um of the data you need to 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 begin that automation process and then what about on on the bigger end where money isn't as big a problem it's just the you know we're just looking for the highest rate of effectiveness um, I probably look into, again, I think I, I'm, the great thing about Infusionsoft and Marketo is they have a uh, kind of middle level and higher level solutions. I, I'd, I'd also look at Infusionsoft Marketo for that. I think Salesforce combined with that, uh, with either of those solutions can also be pretty powerful. Um, so, uh, I probably look at those solutions and maybe tie in Salesforce on top of it. Okay. Um, Last one here, we'll do a little bit of change of pace. Um, you know, it's so easy in this world, you know, where we've got our mobile devices and it's easy to be pretty obsessed with that and, and maybe lose focus on things like our family and uh, having balance in life and other things. Um, talk about writing um, Minecraft recipes for dummies and and your thoughts about being a dad versus all of this stuff that's kind of a 24-7 cycle. Yeah, so... Uh, family comes first uh, to me, I, and and that's another reason I I call our agency an agency. Um, uh, all of my employees work from home. Uh, uh, all those that work for me uh, work from home. We have no central office, at least not right now. Um, if if there's an absolute need, I might get one that's uh, just kind of a co-location space or something like that. But uh, um, I, and I do that because I want everyone working for me to be able to be with their families and, and stay with their families and uh, be around their families as they work. And, and, and I expect us to get work done for clients as we do that. Um, and I think that gives kind of the ability um, to, to have a more whole view on things that we're, we're not just looking at the technology, we're looking at everything. Um, I wrote uh, Minecraft for Dummies and Minecraft Recipes for Dummies. Um, uh, Wiley was asking me uh, uh, what types of things we'd, we'd be interested in uh, as we're thinking of book ideas. And I said, well, well, Minecraft is something that uh, that my boys uh, know a lot about. And I think we could probably write something. And they, and they came back to me and said, well, hey, 
I'd like for you to do it. And I said, well, can I, can I bring my, my boys into the writing process of this? And, uh, and they were like, sure, that actually is kind of a selling point to an extent that uh, these younger kids are also writing the book uh, that, you, that people are reading. So I actually involved my, my, um, I, I, I have a, uh, I have at the time it was a 12, 13 year old son and a 10 year old son. Uh, uh, and then a, a few little tidbits from my, my, uh, uh, six, seven year old son, uh, uh, and, uh, and had them all compile a basic outline of what they wanted to write about and talk about. And then I served as basically editor of what they wanted to write and what they wanted to talk about. And I made my oldest son write um, entire chapters, uh, based on what he was capable of doing. And then I, I go in and I, I'd, I'd fill in and, uh, and edit, but it allowed us to spend a lot more time as a family and focus on that. And to me, that's, that's just critical in any business. We've lost that in our society where the dad goes out into the fields and, uh, and, and the kids follow them out into the fields in, and work with them. And we, we don't have that anymore in, in our society. And, and I, I want to change that. And to me, that's really important. I think uh, allowing as much as you can, especially where I have control of the business, uh, allowing as a business owner for those that work with me to spend as much time as possible with their families and putting that first is something that, that I think more business owners need to be focusing on. Um, <laughs> there we got a couple of them right there, huh? Yeah. You're uh, probably hearing them in the background. Right? <laughs> you know, it's interesting though, like that we do live in a society that makes us want to apologize for having a family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it almost has become this thing of like, we, we live to work rather uh -huh. than having a business serve our lives. It's like our life is to serve the business. Um, and, uh, and I think it, it turns into unhappiness in a lot of cases. Yeah. In my experience. Yeah. I, I think we're happier when we can focus on that family. Uh, uh, and, and I think so many divorces and, and uh, other things, uh, uh, other family issues are caused because uh, that mom and that dad uh, aren't, aren't at home as much as they used to be. Well, and I think the funny part of this story is that that book ends up being your best-selling book out of these nine books you've written. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, uh, that is, I don't know if it's ironic, but it's, it's funny. Um, and uh, and and it, to me, it, it just goes because the show. I mean, Minecraft is a great family game. Uh, you can spend it with your family and and uh, and do uh, uh, and and play games with your family. I know I know moms that have used it to connect with their kids in in ways, and and dads as well that use it to connect with their kids in different ways. And there's so many. I mean, Minecraft is just a start. I uh, I'm considering a book right now potentially on doing something for Pokemon Go, which is very very similar as well. Um, and, and these are great ways to just spend time with family and, and you can do it through gaming. That's the cool thing about it. And I got to write a book about it with my family. Uh, and, and the, it, the circle goes around and around if, if you, yeah. if, if you're focused on that. You know, one of the guys we had on the show a while back, Clay Olson, uh, founder of Fight the New Drug. He got me That's into this Clay. book called, uh, um, oh, do you know, you know, Clay? I know Clay well, Fight the New Drug. We are, we, we're doing their, uh, their ads. Oh, really? That's yeah. awesome. Uh, well, it's apparently worked with over a million followers or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what I was going to say is uh, he got me into this book called um, Super Better, which is all about the science of games and shows, you know, how basically video games 
played certain ways can have negative effects. But when you, like, from a physiological standpoint, they've measured when people play video games together, that it actually strengthens social bonds. And uh, anyways, it's it's interesting to see, like, hardcore clinical science of the value yeah. of gaming as a family. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's valuable. And, 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 and frankly, uh, focusing on that from a business standpoint too, has proven, uh, successful as well. Uh, it, to me, to me, you can be successful with a family and you can be successful, uh, uh, uh with a focus on that. So, uh, and I, I think karma kind of comes back and, and, uh, and, and pays that back to you when you're, when you're willing to focus on that. I love it. Well, appreciate how much time you've given us. And uh, for anybody that wants to connect with you, I'm guessing facebook.com slash Jesse Stay is the best way. Is that? It's, yeah, that's probably the best way. Uh, uh, you can also just see it stayingalive.com. That's stay, letter N, alive.com. Uh, and uh, happy, to, happy to chat with anyone. That's great. Thanks again. And that was part two of our interview. If you missed part one, please go back an episode and download the episode before this one for the first half of the interview. As always, please check iCollective.co for show notes of things referenced during the interview and to learn more about our guest. And if you're interested, we'd love to have you learn more about the charity Child Rescue. Go to the menu page on iCollective and click on Child Rescue. Thanks so much. Get to Old Navy for star-spangled style. Right now, everything's on sale, up to 60% off. That's right, get everything from tees, shorts, dresses, and swim, all at 60% off. Now till July 7th at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid through 7-7, select styles only.